This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. This morning we're coming in this series of messages I've been preaching lately to the fourth in this series, messages about sins that we are all guilty of committing. And today we come to the subject of the sin of sloth. Now, considering there may be just a possibility that one or two people here may not know just what that is or what it means, let me spend just a few minutes in definition. The word sloth, or sometimes called sloth, or slothfulness. I've been told that both forms are nouns. Either is correct. This word is not one for which many people have a clear picture of its meaning. Unfortunately, when we say sloth, there are some people who think immediately of that animal, which is the personification of relaxation, the three-toed sloth, who is a slow-moving, toothless tree dweller who can hang by his claws on a limb for days without worrying about anything. Now, we're not thinking this morning about that animal. According to Mr. Webster, sloth is sluggishness, idleness, indolence, and laziness. Most of us know what's meant, at least by that last word, laziness. I have all ideas that There are those of you here today who may be thinking by this time, oh, preacher, you've really drawn a blank this morning. Maybe those other three sermons you've been preaching before today might be applicable to me, pride, envy, or anger. But you're already beginning to relax now because this morning I'm on a subject of laziness and you are anything but lazy, you say. Why, with the fast pace we're living in today, How could such a sermon apply to very many people? Everybody is as busy as we can be. Who has time to be lazy? Well, let's look first at what the Bible has to say about this sin. The Bible is our guidebook. It's a source we always need to go by. Book of Proverbs has several references to what we're talking about today. I'll give them to you. Proverbs 19.15 Slothfulness casteth into a deep sleep, and the idle soul shall suffer hunger. Proverbs twenty-one twenty-five, The desire of the slothful killeth him, for his hands refuse to labor. Proverbs eighteen nine, He that is slothful in his work is brother to him that is a great waster. Moving on over to the New Testament, Paul, writing to the Romans, urges them to be not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, Romans 12:11. And likewise, the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, verse 12, that ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And there are other verses we'll see later. Through the Bible writers, God seems to put quite a bit of emphasis on this sin. And yet, 
this is one that we seem to overlook or to minimize so often. Someone will argue that the sin of laziness is not as great as the sin of murder. Of course, that's true. But that does not say that we should overlook any sin, be it large or small. All sin is evil in God's sight. And it is of sufficient importance to us that we try to get rid of any sin that God reveals to us. The sin of sloth or laziness has been called the sin of doing nothing, which is the same as the sin of omission. You know, there's a little story that Jesus told one day about a man who decided to take a trip. He called his servants in and gave them his money to keep while he was gone. Just let's put it in today's terminology. To one man, he gave five bags of gold, to another two, and to a third, he gave one bag. And then the man left on the trip. The man who had received five bags of gold took them, put the gold to work in business, and doubled the amount. The man with two did the same thing. But the man who had received only one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his bag of gold. When the master, the owner, returned, he had great words of praise for the first two men, but to the third man, here's what he said, you wicked and slothful servant, or as one translation puts it, you lazy rascal, you. You remember what his punishment was? For this sin of slothfulness, laziness, the master said, take from him what he had and cast him into outer darkness. And then the last sad phrase of this story, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In that same chapter in Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, Jesus is recorded as telling another story about 10 young girls who were all excited and eager to see a wedding. Now, according to the custom of their day, they had all brought along lamps or lanterns. And when the bridegroom appeared, they went into the wedding. And he would always come when they least expected him. It was going to be a surprise always. But as these girls waited, their lamps used up all their oil. And so when the bridegroom appeared, five of the girls had gone to buy more oil but five wise girls had brought along some extra oil for their lamps. As it turned out, the five wise ones got in. They saw the wedding, but the five foolish ones were shut out. And those five foolish girls were judged not for some willful, open, flagrant sin, but for their laziness, their neglect, their thoughtlessness, had caused them to be shut out from the wedding. Now, let's bring this sin of sloth, of omission, of laziness, right down to where we can see it. And see it we do in our own lives. For example, here's a student who's capable of making very good grades. But good grades cannot be kept and, and still do all the outside things you want to do. And so this student spends valuable time loafing around, putting off studying, putting off writing the reports or book reports, term papers, whatever, and ends up failing to make the honor roll. Oh, he passes, all right. 
but a student who can make the honor roll, but who does not because of laziness, is sinning. This is the sin of sloth, of laziness. One young boy came home from school one day with a bad report card. His father said, Son, why, why are your grades so poor this time? The boy said, Dad, I don't think I did all that bad. After all, I got the highest mark of anybody that failed. <laughs> Let's give another example. We don't have as many farmers nowadays as we used to have, but let's just imagine a farmer who knows that in order to obtain the best yield from his land, he has to follow the scientific tested methods of farming. But he also knows that this is going to require some extra work on his part, although he will receive also extra profit at the end of the season. But let's say this farmer just decides he's not going to bother to make his land produce its best. Rather, he'll be content just to get by with a living, as many farmers do. Uh, young children who are here this morning may like that story that comes from farm life about the ox and the mule that had been hitched together to a plow. These two had plowed together for several days in a row, and so one night after they had been put back into the stable, the ox said to the mule, Look, We've been working pretty hard these past days. Tomorrow, let's play sick and stay here in the stalls all day. But the old mule said, Well, you can do that if you want to. I believe I'll go back to work. And so the next morning when the farmer came out, the ox played sick, and the farmer bedded him down with clean straw, gave him fresh hay, a bucket of oats, and left him for the day, taking the mule to plow alone. All day long the ox lay in his stall, chewed his cud, nodded, slowly blinked his eyes, gently swished his tail. That night when the mule came in, the ox asked him how they got along plowing without him. Well, said the mule, it was hard. We didn't get as much done. And, and the ox interrupted to ask, did the old man have anything to say about me? No replied the mule. Well, then, I believe I'll play off again tomorrow. Certainly was wonderful lying around here all day and resting. Well, that's up to you, said the mule. I believe I'll go out and plow again tomorrow. So, the next day, the ox played sick again, was bedded down with straw, provided with hay, and given oats to eat, and lay all day, nodding, blinking, chewing his cud, gently swishing his tail. When the mule came home that night, the ox asked how they had gotten along that day without him. Oh, about the same as yesterday, said the mule. Well, did the old man say anything to you about me? No, replied the mule. Not, not to me he didn't say anything. But I noticed he did have a long talk with the butcher on the way home. <laughs> Well, we could go on and mention others who are guilty of this sin of sloth in their occupations. Businessmen, housekeepers, housewives, homemakers, teachers, and yes, preachers. We're all guilty here of failure to do the very best we can do in our chosen field. In every area of life, the slothful person is the loser. And this is particularly true in church life. 
Oh, how often we find this sin within the organizational life of our churches. There are people who could serve and serve well in church life. And God needs these people to serve. Maybe you're the one who needs to have a place of service that God's called you to serve. But uh, you just sort of rather sit back and let others do it. I heard about a pastor who went to a church one time and he was having trouble getting people to accept places of responsibility. That preacher, the story goes, he went downtown and watched a train come through town. Somebody asked him why he watched that train come, every, come and go every day. Preacher said, well, that's the only thing around here that moves without my having to push it. <laughs> this picture of laziness, indifference, that plagues so many good church members has been graphically pictured by an unnamed author who said it this way. When the frost was on the pumpkin, the wind was creeping higher. He spent his time just this away, a sitting by the fire. Same old story, day by day, he never seemed to tire. While others came and built a church, he sat there by the fire. He loved to sing. At work, he sang, but never with the choir. Rehearsal took up too much time from sitting by the fire. When he died, by slow degrees, some say he went up higher. But if he's doing what he did, he's sitting by the fire. <laughs> this sin of sloth, of downright laziness, is one that we must all reckon with both now and in the day of judgment. All the while, the words of Jesus continue to ring in our ears. Inasmuch as ye did it not unto one of the least of these my brethren, you did it not unto me. Lest we try to whitewash this sin of laziness, of sloth, let's look once more to the words of Scripture, as Jane tells us quite plainly. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I close with one other verse from Ecclesiastes 9.10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. O God, deliver us, we pray, from this besetting sin, the sin of sloth, of laziness, by failing to be and to do what you call us to do. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.